I believe the Lord doesn't want us to be overly concerned about the times and the seasons. We find this phrase used once again in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Don't worry about the times and seasons so much. Worry about being empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness for me. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. First Thessalonians chapter 5, we're dealing with the day of the Lord today. A topic that's found throughout many portions of Scripture. We'll be reading a few of those references in a few minutes. But it's really dealing with the doctrine of last things. As we learned last week, this phrase of eschatology, which means the doctrine of last things or the last days. And because the nation of Israel has been regathered in the land, we find that the day of the Lord is nearer than it has ever been in any time before this. Speaking about the day of the Lord, Peter in 2 Peter 3.8 says, But beloved, do not forget one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so the Lord's day is coming. And so it's not just a 24-hour period, but we're talking about a period of time that is a minimum of a thousand years. But the Lord's day is coming, a time where Satan, where Scripture tells us in Revelation 20, that Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years and will not be released again until those thousand years are finished. For a thousand years, the Word tells us that the Lord will rule and reign upon this earth with a rod of iron meaning that his reign will be forced upon many people who truly don't believe. Things will revert back to where people live longer upon the earth. But even in that length of stay, we find that their heart still truly isn't toward the Lord. When Satan is released, he gathers a huge army again. And the army comes from this earth. It comes from those who are living on this earth. And they try to rally once again against the Lord. But the Lord will be victorious during that time. He will be victorious and his kingdom will never be destroyed. 
So reading from our text, we learn a little more information about the day of the Lord, reading verses 1 through 11. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. And Father, I pray that we will be edified today and that we will find comfort in these words this day. As we look into your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he says, concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. There's a few times in scriptures where I wish that Paul would have just wrote it out. You know, come on, tell us about the times and seasons, because we want to know, right? What probably was taking place here is that Paul had already told them about these things at that time. He had been with them a minimum of three weeks, but he had been with them. And during that three weeks, he talked about the Lord's coming to them, the rapture of the church. And here he's explaining to them in a little more detail because they didn't get it. But concerning the times and seasons, he says, I don't need to write to you about that because probably he's already talked to them about it. But also, I believe, because the Lord has already dealt with this issue. It's not that Scripture is silent on the times and seasons, the dates, the events that will take place prior to the coming of the Lord, but it's already been dealt with in other portions of Scripture. And so in one sense, we look at it and said, boy, I wish you would have wrote this. But it's there in Scripture, and I think the Lord wants us to dig in. He wants us to get off the milk and get into the meat of his word and there are places where we can dig in to learn about the times and seasons. Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13, Mark 21. When the disciples asked the Lord, what will be the time of your coming? When will these things take place? When he's talking about his second coming, his setup of his kingdom upon the earth, the Lord went into detail on these things, on the times and seasons. But of that day... The Lord Jesus said, Matthew 24, 36, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I believe the Lord doesn't want us to be overly concerned about the times and the seasons. We find this phrase used once again in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So the Lord is basically repeating once again to his disciples, no one knows the day or the hour. Hey, that's in God's concern. It's in his authority. 
It's not for you to know. But, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Don't worry about the times and seasons so much. Worry about being empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness for me. And there are some people who get, I think, too caught up in the times and the seasons. The Lord said we are to do business or to occupy until he comes. And so until he comes, I'm doing business properly as far as an individual in this country that we live in, but also doing business concerning the Lord's work to be that witness for him until he comes. The Lord says, don't be overly concerned about the times and the seasons, but live lives that are witnesses for me. But notice in that Acts 1.8, he says, when the Spirit has come upon you. Being an effective witness in Jesus Christ has to do with the Spirit's work in your life also. Now, the Spirit comes upon you at salvation the moment you are saved. But I believe the Spirit can further come upon you in such a way that he can make you an effective witness for him. Personally, I believe that means that you are so in tune with the Spirit that there are times where you realize that saying less is more that I'm not going to shove Christ in this person's face because I don't think he's ready to receive it, she's ready to receive it, but I'm going to live Christ before them. Sometimes I believe saying less is more. Sometimes I believe you need to get into their face. And it says in Jude, where he says, as some with compassion, as others as hanging over the flames of death, that they're at the gates of hell and you just hang them over there saying, turn or burn. But others it's with compassion saying, Jesus loves you, and how can I help you? And so it's with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that we are to be witnesses. So concerning the times and seasons, brethren, I have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord, this phrase is a big deal in Scripture. Paul didn't invent it. It was there in the Old Testament also, and it's talking about a day and age where God will work more directly upon this earth in a way that he hasn't ever before, where Christ will come to rule and reign, the day of the Lord encompassing that thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, but also those seven years of tribulation that's coming upon the earth. The day of the Lord, for those who don't believe, it's going to be a horrific time on this earth. Isaiah 13, 9 says this about the day of the Lord. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. I will destroy its sinners from it, for the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth. The moon will cease to cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud. I will lay low the haughty of the terrible. I will make the mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than a golden wedge of Ophar. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth and move them out of their place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. It shall be as the hunted gazelle and the sheep that have no man to take up. Every man will turn to his own people and everyone flee to his own land. Zephaniah 1.14 says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. 
There are mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuge. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Speedy riddance? Later on we'll read from Peter where he said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises toward us, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And remember, Peter is the one that said, a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years. So to the Lord, this is a very short period of time. To us, it's a very long period of time. But to the Lord, it's a very short period of time. And a little while longer, we'll look at uh, Revelation and see how that day unfolds in the book of Revelation as it's in detail to us in chapter 6 through 18. So the day of the Lord is coming, and it comes like a thief in the night, the Lord says. It's going to come upon this world unexpectedly as a thief in the night. The Lord said in Matthew 24, verse 43, But know this, if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Remember, the disciples were asking the Lord, when will these things be? When, will, when is this going to take place? Well, it's going to happen quick. We as believers are to watch that it doesn't take us or come upon us unexpectedly. I believe that watchfulness has to do with our salvation. That as we prepare ourselves for that day, as, as Noah prepared himself by building the ark, He was found safe when the floods came upon the earth because God had contained him in the ark, shut the door for him, sealed him up with his family and the animals that were with him. But they went through the judgment because they trusted in the Lord. He heard a word from the Lord and he was obedient to the Lord to build this great ark that would save his people and the animals with him. So as in the days of Noah, the Lord said in Matthew 24, 38, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Peter refers to Noah as a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness and so We have to believe that Noah for that time was preaching that judgment is coming. And so we had a testimony of Enoch preaching righteousness, had a son named Methuselah who named his son in such a way saying that judgment is coming, who's Methuselah's son Lamech, and then Noah, who was the one who was found in the flood. The world, it was unexpected, so unexpected. The the information was there. If not in written word at that time, especially in the oral teachings that they had and even the lives of these men, Enoch, being a man of God who was taken away by the Lord, did not see death. 
Methuselah having the testimony even of his name. Something's going to happen when this kid dies. This kid lived to be 969 years old. And something did happen when he died. If you follow the timeline out, the flood came. Noah, the preacher of righteousness. But to the earth, hey, they were just going on as normal business. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Well, today the Lord said it will be like that for us. Eating, drinking, well, the marriage is kind of changing. People are trying to change what marriage is actually all about between a man and a woman today. But some are still trying to do it the right way. But life is going on, basically, and to the world it's unexpected. The day comes upon them as a thief in the night. For those of us who believe, I believe our preparedness is in faith in Jesus Christ and also that we will be saved from this day. In verse 3 it says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They shall not escape. Realize that Paul now begins to talk about them and they. He's not talking to the church any longer. He's talking to those who do not believe. To those who do not believe, well, they're crying out peace and safety. Hey, we finally got this Israel thing solved. Perhaps they'll be saying one day. As a guy comes in and makes a covenant with Israel for one week or for seven years. Peace and safety. The problem with Israel is resolved. Well, the world has another problem too. It's you and me. As radical believers in Jesus Christ. I may not view myself so much as a radical believer in Jesus Christ. But because I believe that the word of God is the inspired word of God and is without error. That what he has prophesied will take place. I believe it will take place. He has prophesied that it will. I believe that. That I believe that Jesus is Lord and the only way to salvation. Well, to the world, we're a problem. And to eliminate us will solve their problem also. I believe the rapture helps that. We are hated in many parts of the world, and we are hated here in the United States. And they would like nothing better than to shut our voices up. The world would be crying out peace and safety. But as a woman in her labor pains, sudden destruction will come upon them and they shall not escape. As I look at these things, I think, well, Lord, you got to be coming soon. Some of the obstacles that the world believes is in the way, as I've already mentioned, is Israel. That little nation, no bigger than the state of New Jersey, has the full attention of the world. More media in that little nation than in any other place in the world. It has the full attention of the world. But not only is Israel a problem, the Christians are a problem too. Those of us who believe we're seen as an obstacle to world peace instead of that peace will come through Jesus Christ. They're not looking for true peace but they see that we're the problem of bringing the world into unification. So when I look at the world and I see some of these things taking place, personally it gets me excited and frightened at times, I admit it. I was at a meeting here in Lake Villa a few weeks ago with some of the community leaders, and the director of the Red Cross, there's only one full-time person for the Red Cross here in uh, Lake County, 
She said after 9-11, all their resources were pulled out of the county and went into Chicago and other areas in the country. And now that since 9-11 has kind of passed for a while, they brought in one full-time employee. It's over in Mundelein where they have their offices and it's ran by volunteers pretty much at that time. But they're preparing for basically a dirty nuke. And I have the information if you'd like it. You can go online, you can take their online little course and basically, with this thought of a dirty nuke being set off in our nation somewhere at any time, and Chicago's a perfect place. I just heard about this on the news this week, that if a dirty nuke, low-level radiation was set off in Chicago, it would leave that city unoccupiable for at least 40 to 50 years. Talk about an upset in our country, in our world. And Chicago kind of considered the heart of our nation in that sense, one of the major cities of our world, that it would change things for 40 to 50 years. Calvary Chapel Blue Island is across the street from a high school in the community that they live in. And they had designated that a high school as if a dirty nuke goes off in Chicago, that high school is the go-to place. They deem it far enough away, the wrong wind direction and all that, that they'd be far enough away to set up a triage there, right across the street from Calvary Chapel, Blue Island. And so our world is preparing for something. Mike McIntosh, pastor of Calvary Chapel, well, Horizon down in San Diego, he's on the call list as far as being a chaplain, that when the planes hit the Twin Towers, he has a pager that he is one of the first responders as a chaplain here in the United States, that he was actually not only able to respond first there, but was able to, through Samaritan's Purse, organize all the ministry that was taking place for those several months there in New York. But because he's on that call list, whenever an airplane goes down in the United States, he is notified a major plane wreck like that they say something is coming. It's just a matter of time. Something is coming. So peace and safety. We have a world in turmoil, and we see that things are getting churned up. Now, I, at times, I'm frightened about this, truly. I have grandchildren, and I wonder if the Lord should tarry what the world would be like. We're not guaranteed that we will be a nation. The United States will be a nation forever. There's no guarantee. And it is proven through history as every nation has turned their back against the Lord, that nation soon falls away, not only from the Lord, but just falls away and, and doesn't even exist at times. England has turned their back against the Lord, and England does not have the power nor the authority that she once had when she was sending more missionaries out than any other nation in the world. But when she turned her back on the Lord, now there are more, well, they're dealing with the same things we're dealing with. But even at an accelerated level, I believe. So we see these things taking place. One day their problem will be solved. They'll cry out peace and safety. And the Lord has already told us about that day. It's in Daniel 9, 27. It says, then he, which stands for the Antichrist, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of that week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the 
consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. The world is going to get their world peace. It's going to happen for a week, for seven years, according to biblical scriptural time, one week standing for seven years, seven days each day standing for a year. They'll get it for a week, but even in that week, it's only going to last three and a half years. It has to do with Israel because he makes a covenant with the people that they can have their sacrifices, and in the middle of that week, he'll stop, the Antichrist will stop the sacrifices and actually set himself up in the throne of God, in the temple of God that still needs to be built in Israel. And so they'll get their peace. They're going to say, as the scripture says, peace and safety. But when they say that, sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains come upon pregnant women. One day peace will come. Not the peace and safety that the world is looking for, but that day when the Prince of Peace comes to rule and reign upon this earth. And it's my desire that we are all with him on that day. Father, I pray that we would take courage in these things that you have written to us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.